What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. I know I was supposed to release a video yesterday. I got a catch-up video done on the Malicious Compliance channel, Tales from the Front Desk. If you get a chance, hop over there and check that out. Uh, if I can remember and the brain stays doing brainy things, then I'll go ahead and put a link down below for that. We got at least one cat floating around here somewhere. I'm hoping he'll make an appearance here soon, but uh, until then, let's do some techie stuff. Fix my docking station. This morning, a user at my organization reached out for assistance with a new MS Surface dock that I installed while they were out last week. This person was recently promoted to a middle management position, so this laptop setup was new for them. I received a message that their docking station wasn't working and that the screens were both black, but the laptop was working. I replied and said it was all plugged in and working last week when I left the office, and it should be just one cord to connect from the dock to the laptop and to ensure that it's fully connected. After normal troubleshooting and checking that the monitors are powered on, docking station cords all plugged in fully, etc. I remote into their laptop and can't see anything that shows the dock is plugged into the laptop. I message this person and say, hey, can you unplug the laptop from the dock and plug it back in? They reply and say, oh, it's not plugged in, I just want to use the screens, not my laptop. Oh. And then proceed to teach this worker about what a docking station is and how it works. After a couple chats back and forth, I get a fellow message saying, So, if I don't want to use my laptop and only the screens, what cords do I need to do? She thinks the monitors are all in one computers and said, My home computer's just a screen. How can I get these to do that? <sighs> Time for another cup of coffee. To be fair, I can see where some of the confusion comes with certain users because if she has an all-in-one at home, okay... I can sort of understand that. At this point, in most schools, we don't seem to be teaching civics, you know. Filling out your checkbook, I know, who uses checks anymore? Okay, boomer. Anyway, civics, you know, doing your own laundry, home echo, I think we used to call it, paying bills, being kind to others, social niceties, and things like that. So maybe we could take some of that energy and expense and put it into actually teaching people computer basics. Like, a, as a mandatory course, just like English, history, math, all that stuff. What is a monitor? What is a PC? What is a laptop? What is a whatever? And uh, how does each one function? Basics. Not not too deep. Just enough so that when they go out into the working environment, they sort of have a baseline. And then the employer can teach them from there. Of course, then everybody still wants to make $17 an hour plus. And I'm not talking about California or Seattle people. I know your, your cost of living is higher, but... Over here, the cost of living is much cheaper on the East Coast in general. And I'm sorry, but most of the people screaming and crying that they want $17 an hour don't earn $17 an hour. They don't make the company that much money, so how can they get paid that much? Anyway, long story short, if you want to make more, you got to make yourself more valuable. That's it. You talk too much! Once admin passwords to the system, they can't copy files. Hey gang, here's one. I was building out a new system of workstations with Azure and asked an employee to back up their files to a USB stick before I signed her computer into AD. I gave her the stick and came back in 5 minutes. She told me that it would take her an hour at least, and I was puzzled, so I took a peek at her screen. She was individually opening doc files and saving them to the USB, one at a time, using the save function in MS Word. Hundreds of files. She was angry and irritated that she had been asked to do such a tedious job. I told her to stop and just let me copy and paste them for her, and she asked, what's that? With a big frown on her face. I copied the files and they went into the USB. What are you doing? What's that? She said. Also, I need the admin password for the computer because I saw you fix it with the admin password. 
I'm just going to set this up with the back end. You can't have admin passwords because you don't need them. She makes an angry face. Computer links with Azure. Employee login works. Basic job done. 50-year-old angry face says, I feel like I can't ask you anything. Can you make it so that the computer is exactly the same as before? What do you mean? The things. I want the things to be there like they were before. Do you mean this? Yes, I want the things there. I never had this trouble at my old work. The tech guy knew what I meant every time. Okay, you want applications on the taskbar, Word, and PowerPoint? Angry face got even angrier. Okay, right-click the application shortcut and pin to taskbar. This is how you pin bookmarks in your browser. I left her office and went to my own. Ping! She requested administrative access to make group emails for the company, our affiliates, and consumers. I thought about this and made a mailing list with some harmless email addresses, created an address for her to mail. I sent her an email and tell her to email that address to spread her materials around. I tell her that she doesn't need to create a group or be able to create groups because it already exists. Sent. A minute later, bang, the door shot open. No, I want you to teach me how to make groups in the system. I need it for my work. I need the admin password to do my work. I stand with care and my hands raised. It's okay. I made the group email already and you can email that. That's not what I want. She made a face at me and ran away. Through the window, I see her run into the administration manager's office, arms waving this way and that way. The admin manager rang me. Can you help her with this? She wants the admin passwords to the system. She wants admin rights to create email groups across the whole company. Oh, uh, yes, I know. She's a diversity officer. I tried. The admin manager later told me that she cried for an hour in the corner of her office. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. First of all, what are you crying about? And what makes you think you have any right to any of these administrative tools? It's just ridiculous. So many people today... A, like I alluded to in the other story, people overvalue themselves constantly. And the other problem with people is they have zero capability of keeping their emotions or their anger in check. There's no diplomacy anymore. Maybe that should be added to the tech courses at school, you know, diplomacy. How to speak to people properly and not stamp your feet like you're two again and, yeah, I didn't get what I want. It's just, it's moronic. And by the way, I realized that when I read this story, this is an older person we're talking about, somebody my age at least. I I thought my generation was taught better. Nope. There are people that have been around for years. I'm sure there were people in all parts of history that were like this. But again, it just seems to be becoming more tolerated, more commonplace. You know, we have to watch for everybody's feelings. No, we don't. We don't have to watch for anybody's feelings. Especially when we're not even trying to hurt somebody's feelings. It has nothing to do with that. The rules are the rules. You don't get admin access. And it's okay. You'll be fine. I don't get it. Anyway. Client rolled out new phone system. Wanted to change phone numbers when calls weren't working. For context, I work for a marketing firm. But I've done IT and my partner has been in IT his entire career, so I'm somewhat familiar with the inner workings and issues of phone systems. We get phone numbers for marketing campaigns and monitor the response to gauge the success of a campaign. We rolled out a new campaign for a client and they started to report a lot of bad calls. The rep would pick up and no one was on the other line. Now, phone numbers are recycled and bot calls are somewhat common, especially in the beginning. We recommend changing the phone number in the hopes we get a less spammed line. But before we did that, we asked the client to send some examples to us. Every example was a call to a number not related to the campaign. Immediately, red alarms start going off in my head. I know how much phone systems can suck. 
I hear about it almost on the daily with my partner, so I tell the client to look into call quality issues. No, they pushed back and said it had to be the phone number. If they just change it, that'll resolve the issue. As nicely as possible, I refused and told them to look into call quality. Silence for a few days. I think to myself, the problem's solved. Then I get another email from them explaining that the customer calls in and can hear the rep, but the rep can't hear the customer. They ask again, are you sure the phone number isn't the issue? Are you stupid or something? I'm losing my sanity at this point and say, that 100% sounds like a technical issue. And again, tell them to look into their phone system. Silence for a few more days. Okay, so maybe it's solved now. Nope. They send me another email a few days later reporting more bad calls. Again, all numbers unrelated to the campaign we have for them. I ask if they resolve the quality issue and their response was, we think it's a quality issue too, just checking with you. We rolled out a new phone system recently, so we're looking into that. I feel like I'm losing my sanity. About a week and a half ago, our clothes dryer stopped heating up. It was spinning, it was running, it was going on time, and it would beep when it was done and all that fancy schmancy stuff. But it wasn't getting hot. Okay, my brain says heating element, but let me do some Googling first. And all the experts online, I'm assuming they're experts, but whatever, we'll go with it for now. All the experts online keep saying that, you know, it's a bad heating element or a bad thermostat or temperature control unit, whatever. Uh, I call them all thermostats, but I know there's some minor differences. I go online to look for these pieces, and because I'm not going to take the whole dryer apart just to find out that I have picked one of the two and I have the wrong one, so I make sure I'm getting both. Lo and behold, I find another unit, a heating element unit, that has the built-in thermostats, and it's just plug and play. Take the old one out, put the new one in, plug the wires in, put it all back together, and that's a whole other chore there taking a dryer apart and putting it back together and then everything works fine the point to this whole rambling session is though that you need to listen to the people who know the answers or at least take it into consideration if they say something and they've been around this business for a while and they're there to help you then maybe look into what they were actually saying so that you can maybe fix the issue if i had ignored everything on google and bought you know a new door hinge because the thing wasn't heating up well that would be just stupid but that's what people do. They just ignore the advice they're given and argue with it. No, no, that can't possibly be it. Lost in the halls of the insurance king. I'm in a bar talking to the one recruiter who, like St. Ivo of Kermatin, Kermatin, I don't know, is both a decent human being and competent in a role that most people hate. We've been friends for years. I'm here to complain about the industry and drink on someone else's expense account. I've made some poor decisions. I'm managing two positive consultants rather than running clients myself. On the way to the lunch meeting with St. Ivo, I get texts and Slack messages from my pod members asking about some email about payroll from corporate. That's never a good sign. While bouncing along potholes in the lift, I see that my last paycheck has been sucked back. I find the email they're all talking about. For accounting word salad reasons, we are moving payroll to a monthly basis. This may result in reversal of last week's direct deposits. Those deposits will move to the 16th of this month. This is a good thing because it leads to the promised land of riches and awesomeness. This isn't good. It's the end of the month, which means my pod members are paying rent, student loans, mortgages, and bad habits on credit cards. I craft a terse email to apologize to my pods for the distress this must cause, promise to get to the bottom of it, and offer to cover anyone's expenses until I do. It's been a day and it isn't even a third over. I may be in Eastern Time, but my pods, clients, and teams are spread from Hamburg to Hyderabad. <laughs> I ain't exactly well rested. I'm hoping a few beers and greasy food will turn my week around. 
I hop out of the lift and into a proper northeast corridor old man bar. Dark wood paneling, a linoleum checkerboard floor, and 70s AM rock greet me along with the recruiter. There's a shot of Beam waiting for me. Two hours later, the recruiter and I are solving each other's problems. I need a new job, and he's got a problem customer who needs a creative and morally flexible cybersecurity professional. A few weeks later, I'm in a suburban office park at the HQ of Birchco Insurance. I have a very fuzzy idea of my role. I'm there to provide guidance around cybersecurity and IT risk. My first call is some pre-kickoff planning call for Birchco's rollout of Office 365. I'm curious to know why rolling out an application requires 23 participants. It seems to be a conversation between two people, A and B. I'm sure they have names, but I couldn't really pay attention. I'm more curious about everybody else on the call. It seems that everyone else's job is to wait for A or B to say something they don't agree with. Once that happens, they're going to discuss it for a few minutes, then decide if we need another meeting. This goes on for a half hour, making it the most boring local public radio call and game show ever, and the prize isn't even Al Cap- Isn't even Al Capri- What the hell? Isn't even Al Capriolian's voice on your voicemail. I'm trying to do anything to stay awake in this desolate, stale air cubicle. Two-thirds of the cubes have paper calendars from 2020, unturned since April. I'm pulled out of my boredom by something very puzzling. B has an interesting way to push out software cautiously. He's decided that he's upgrading one office application at a time for everybody. PowerPoint one week, Excel the next. Nobody seems to be pointing out the obvious here. I push the unmute button. Hey everybody, long time listener, first time caller. I'm new in the risk advisory team. Has anybody actually tried installing and running individual apps from Office? Aren't we risking some kinds of DLL hell by mixing different versions? B says, we haven't written the test plan yet. A says, we should move this off the planning call. We'll set up another call for technical aspects. Wonderful. I've been here a few hours and I've already spawned another meeting. I'm now part of the problem. At least nobody's going to call me after hours. To be continued. I absolutely detest corporate environments. I know that they have a reason for their existence. I get it. But at the same time, I think all these people, if they're not complete morons, then they're just creating issues to provide some sort of job security to themselves. I I don't know. But I really hate when you have a meeting and then you have to spawn off another meeting to solve problems from this meeting. And it just goes on and on and snowballs on itself until you still don't have anything done and you've wasted hundreds if not thousands of man hours having meetings with nothing to show at the end. Also, I'm pretty sure it's illegal for them to suck back your direct deposit paychecks after they've gone through and then tell you that you're going to monthly pay. I'm not saying they can't change their pay schedules. They can over time, uh, depending on your contract, if you have a contract, but that's not the way to do it. That's something you would kind of roll out over a couple months or maybe a quarter and say, you know, starting next quarter, we're going to start going monthly, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, just to do a rug pull like that and leave everybody hanging with their bills, that's a good way to cause a mutiny. Hmm. IT support for dad ends in a networking nightmare. Let me set the stage. When I was a child, my dad was my go-to IT guru. However, as I grew up, the tables turned and I found myself becoming the IT support for not only my dad, but his entire office. He wasn't technophobic by any means. He could handle advanced tech and troubleshoot with ease. A few years back, my dad's office relocated and I decided it was time to embrace virtualization. I set up Proxmox servers and QNAP NAS and backup server and a VPN gateway. Yes, I know, using QNAP for the VPN gateway wasn't the wisest choice. 
To top it off, we opted for a fully managed ISP small business solution, which included IP phones, trunking, PBN cloud services, CPE, router, and switch, all at a reasonable price. The catch was that we had to use their network equipment, and they had to manage it. There was no other option. Fast forward a few months. I was away on a work trip when I attempted to VPN into the office network for some scheduled updates and maintenance. Surprise, surprise, the VPN server was unreachable and I was met with connection timeouts. My immediate reaction was, what on earth is happening? My first instinct was to call my dad to see if he was experiencing any issues connecting via VPN. To my astonishment, he could connect seamlessly. This marked the beginning of an intriguing puzzle. I started troubleshooting by pinging the IP associated with the VPN services one ping only, please, and received a response. However, when I attempted an NMAP scan to check if the VPN ports were open, they were inexplicably closed. Everything else running on different IPs seemed fine, and my dad's VPN connection was flawless. The only apparent difference was that we were in different countries. I was in a different country from the office network. Perplexed, I repeated the troubleshooting from a virtual machine within my home network, and everything worked like a charm. None of this made any sense, and I was running out of troubleshooting options since I couldn't access the ISP's equipment. My best guess was that a firewall feature on the ISP router was enabled, blocking requests based on AS or geofiltering. It was time to get ISP involved. After a few days, I opened a support ticket with the ISP. Together with their level 1 support, we went through troubleshooting steps until they were able to reproduce the issue. It wasn't easy since I had to provide a method for testing from an AS outside the country. The ticket got escalated, and their solution was to replace the router and switch with equipment from another vendor. Huawei? Hawaii? I don't I never understood this name. Anyway, of the same class to rule out any firmware bugs. We scheduled a day with my dad, shutting down office operations for half a day, and after the equipment change, we tested it again. To our dismay, the issue persisted. At this point, both the second level ISP support and I were stumped, and the ISP decided to escalate the ticket once more, scheduling an on-site appointment to troubleshoot with me. That meant another half day of office shutdowns, which my dad wasn't thrilled about. But we're all working for him after all. The day arrived and it was my dad as the customer, me as the IT support, and three ISP networking engineers, all in the server room. They brought enterprise class Cisco equipment and swapped everything out, as they were more comfortable with the Cisco CLI and it was more reliable for our testing. We embarked on an arduous troubleshooting journey, having to use or simulate a foreign IP. We tried everything, even involving the nationwide knock and received a whole new IP subnet routed differently, just to eliminate any potential issues. But nothing worked. Finally, I asked if they could enable port mirroring on the switch so I could connect with Wireshark and examine the traffic. To everyone's astonishment, I could see the SYN TCP packet heading to the server, but there was no sign of a SYN act coming back. This could only mean that the issue resided somewhere in the QNAP, so the ISP routing and equipment was ruled out. With the ISP engineers leaving, I began suspecting that QNAP might have a firmware bug or some other hardware glitch. So I decided to order a new Dell server and configured it as the VPN gateway over Linux, a far more stable, advanced, and secure solution compared to the QNAP. As I worked on configuring the new VPN server, I decided to check out old QNAP NAS for the old configuration. To my horror, I discovered an app called Antivirus, with geofiltering enabled to block any connections from outside the country. I asked my dad about it, and he sheepishly admitted that he had enabled it once, without telling me, and had completely forgotten about it. That day, my dad lost all his admin privileges. A lesson learned the hard way. Confession time! I have no idea what most of that meant. 
I understand the basics of the networking issues, and I'm constantly here fighting with firewall issues between local firewalls on machines because we have so many different laptops, PCs, phones, whatever running, and then the firewall on the modem. Uh, yeah, it's just a mess. I've got it working well for the most part, but I'm not sure exactly how secure it is. At some point, I've got to knuckle down and pay somebody to come in and make sure everything's secure, but not holding me up from doing what I need to do. So we all have our skill sets. That's not one of mine. Hey guys, YouTube really thinks you're going to like this video, so uh, check it out, would you? Till the next one, we'll see ya.